Well, I've got a guest in studio f- as we do every month, and that is Superintendent Paul Peterson, the superintendent of the Mankato Area Public Schools. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Karen. It's great to see you again. How are you? I'm doing great. Say, I know the school's year is kind of winding down, and this is really the first school year sort of back to normal after COVID. So how has it been? Well, well, we were start to finish, no masks. So, so yeah. So, that, okay. <laughs> so that, uh, yeah. I and now the contact stuff hasn't been, you haven't been co- doing the contact mm-hmm. anymore because that was a big deal when we first started all the. Yeah, I heard, I was, as I was driving here listening uh, and talking with people on my phone about just what those last few years have been like. And, and yeah, I think that we've had a quite typical year and now we are two weeks away from finishing that here at the end of May. And we, we wrap up all of our schools will be done by June 7th um, okay. and you know what a what a time to be in schools with I, we were over at Washington yesterday and there was a field day with kids out in the you know playing all these sorts of games and the parents out there watching and the teachers keeping everybody straight and <laughs> when you when you go through I mean all of our all the testing for the most part is done right and so this is just a great opportunity especially when it's so nice out it's beautiful um, I just want to go out and garden personally <laughs> but you know yeah that's uh and it felt like that time was never going to come with such a long winter, and then it was wet. And but um, here we are. So yeah, it's great, uh, great time to be in schools. So the graduation—they're going to be graduating soon. And I was just thinking, is that the class? Would they have been sophomores when COVID first hit, or would they have been? Fr- I'm trying to think back. <sighs> yeah. So so here we are. So, so we we shut down in March of 2020. Okay. So yep. So that was three. That would that was three years ago. Um, so these would be. Um, would have been sophomores. sophomores. Sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And I'm just curious how things, if, if there's any trends or anything you see by having that out of school experience for so long, and it didn't work for everybody, mm-hmm. as we know. Mm-hmm. Um, is it in showing in test scores? Is, has it showed in behaviors? Um, how has it manifested itself? Because I, I know that I've heard that it has yep. changed for for students' normal experience. Without question. W- without question. And I think that the, the data lines, not just here in Mankato, but across the state and in our region, um, the, the things like academics and behavior, those are really bouncing back to more pre-pandemic levels. Um, whereas we look at our uh, student achievement, whether that's demonstrated in standardized assessments that kids take or the formative um, elements that our teachers do every single day, the academics have are bouncing. And those, those lines, those trend lines are moving in the right direction. Same thing with behavior. When we came back from all of the disjointed learning and we were attempting to have more typical school days last school year, that was something else. Um, Just the socialization of having kids back together for a full day um, that teachers would report, our coordinators, principals, that that would that took quite a while to stabilize in schools, but that also has been because bo- they they had gotten out of the routine of being routine with each other kind the, of thing. That's exactly it. Yep, the routines and just the the predictable nature of what school brings when you get there. How you know you're having your breakfast, heading to class, whether you're at on a bell system or if mm-hmm. you just have those logical breaks within your day. As kids were at home whether they had a caregiver helping them or whether they were just alone because they were old yeah. enough to do that and in front of their screens, they, 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 there, was, there was quite a bit of challenge that came with that. The one thing I would say that has continued to be something that we learn about and, and continue to think about how we accelerate the growth is 
in some of our students, we continue to see quite a bit of isolation where, where maybe traditionally school was a place where there was a culture and they felt a sense of belonging and this, is, this was their spot. Um, we have handfuls of kids that school is like, this is where I go. I do my thing and then I, I, go can, home I and can retreat, yeah. you know, back to my screen, back to my room, back to my gaming system, whatever. So we've got some strategies in place and really trying to promote that concept of school culture and, uh, and that sense of belonging. It's really important that kids are involved not only in their school, but in their community. Mm-hmm. And uh, a, a computer screen or a device can only get you so far with that social socialization that really everybody at least needs experiences with. Some sure. some kids are more social than others. We're not trying to right. make people into different human beings. But at the same time, there are some, there's just some good common uh, experiences that we all need. And uh, schools play an important role in helping to develop those. You know, they're back, back to in-person proms, in-person graduations and things. So that has changed again. And and I know my son is one of those who tends to isolate Mm -hmm. a little bit. And, you know, it's it's kind of unnerving a little bit because you say, well, what's going on here? But I think it did change the way things are for a lot of kids. Yeah. You know, with our, our school district, our board, our core commitments being so centered on making sure that we have equitable experiences for kids, you know, when we think about equitable experiences, I, I think of it from a parent lens. Um, parents don't want their kid treated like everybody else. They want their kid to be treated in a way that's unique to them. Well, that's what equity is all about. You know, what what does my student need at this um, at this given time, and how can you help move them forward? And so, great thing about public schools is that they're filled with everybody. Uh, they're they're filled with all different sorts of uh, learning styles and shapes and sizes and all everything in between. And and so that's. Uh, important for us to, as a system, figure out those items that are good for everyone, and then those items that we need to be able to individualize to help meet the needs of of kids coming through. And we've talked about this before. Mental health is is always an issue. Yeah. Now the the legislature just ended, and I'm just curious if you ended up getting things for mental health that would be yeah. helpful in other areas. How did it look after well, all was said and done? Well. Um, you know, keeping things just my personal and immediate as a superintendent in in uh, southern Minnesota, uh, the legislature and the governor's office came through for public education. We heard some um, big ideas. <laughs> we we heard some um, bold initiatives early on in the session. And what I can say confidently is that when we look at the budget bill, the finance and the policy bill that came through for pre-K through 12, through the House, the Senate, um, and going to the governor's desk for his signature, uh, public education was um, a high priority. I mean, you can't argue with the fact that over $2 billion of additional money is going to our public schools. And yes, it's on the formula. Yes, it's on some of our special categories. But there's a real intentionality that we see in the budget to focus on what you just said, the mental health, the social supports that kids need, that their families need to help in a well-rounded education as schools do their part during their instructional day, but also making sure that those wraparound services, so whether that's access to daycare, after-school programming, the social-emotional supports that kids sometimes get outside of school, whether it's with counseling or therapy or whatever else, making sure that there's rich summer programming and extended experiences that um, enrich the school experience. It's all in the the budget proposal and that proposal now is going to be signed and we're very fortunate and appreciative of 
of uh, people in elected office seeing, as we've said on this program before, seeing public education as an investment, an investment in our future, and there's a sizable one being made uh, for the next two years. Because I know that enrollment has been an issue, losing Mm -hmm. enrollment, which Mm -hmm. means you get less money, and of course that all plays into other issues of not being able to support things you think that are important. So what will this mean practically with this budget and how that's affecting you? Do you see, I mean, do you see enrollment changing? Do you see more going to private schools or what what does it look like? Yeah, we really see that the state's budget is, a. we've had a three-part plan for this, for 2023. Number one is Mankato schools needed to right size our budget to to be in line with our enrollment and be in line with the, the fact that as COVID dollars have gone away and state and federal dollars have not kept up with what it costs to educate a public school kid in Minnesota, we needed to make an adjustment, $9 million adjustment. That adjustment is, is, is being implemented now for next school year. That was step one. Mm-hmm. Step two was the legislature. The legislature coming through for public education, I would say that they have. Um, there was talk early on about the full funding of schools or historic funding of schools. I I guess I won't you know put those sorts of labels on it, but when you're looking at a 4% increase in the per pupil formula and then 2% the next year, and then eventually having that tied to inflation, that's big. Also big is getting um, significant dollars that will help uh, address the cross-subsidy of special education, the multilingual learner uh, cross-subsidy. Um, and so there's a lot There's a lot in there. So the legislature needed, ma- or MAPS needed the legislature to do what they did. So we appreciate that. But then there's the third part. And that third part is our school district then going to community, likely this coming fall, uh, for a referendum. And so we, we needed to demonstrate at the early part of this calendar year that the school district was going to do its part, $9 million cut. Second part, the state doing its part. We needed um, big funding from the legislature. They've done that. And now our school board is going to shift its attention to, okay, what sort of community contribution are we going to need to make sure that that third uh, part of the stool is firmed up so we're on firm, stable, predictable funding, which then get to bringing back programs and services and and we really believe that the innovation that is just ripe to be had in our region our school district can do it and that will ultimately be bringing kids back and families back into the system so what things are you talking about bringing back well right now that's good timing because we have just launched a strategic planning process that is engaging with stakeholders um, and the, the process is called classroom to boardroom. Hmm. And that's a really intentional way that we think about it because oftentimes strategic planning starts at the top with guys like me and maybe a school board saying, what do we think we should be doing? And then it kind of pushes down into the system. This level of effectiveness and, uh, effectiveness and the results that sometimes you get with that process isn't overly rich. This process turns that on its ear and starts at the classroom level. So you're talking to kids. I was I just left Dakota Meadows Middle School and we have a facilitator talking with 30 kids in that cafeteria about what do they what do they want in their daily experience? What's Recess the, is that the answer? <laughs> no. Yeah, oftentimes you'll hear you know maybe more more time for oh, yeah. lunch or right. more orange chicken or really yeah. <laughs> things like that. But we're also talking so we're talking to kids, yeah. we're talking to staff members, talking to families, talking to teachers. Though. Talking to teachers, yep. yeah, about th- 
what is the desired daily experience of a staff member? You know, that it does no good to have a school system made up of people who are showing up to work just to um, um, put in their eight hours and go home. I mean, that's you can do that, but that isn't an overly inspiring place to be as a human being for, for a worker, for an employee. So we need to hear what, what, what is their desired daily experience. And then also for families. Those conversations are going to help us craft what we're calling a future-focused system. So that we are looking towards, we're not just looking at tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to come. We're going to work on tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to be great. But we need to, as leaders, be thinking about a year from now, four years from now, 10 years from now. So when our earliest learners right now in preschool, when they step across that graduation stage, when they go across that stage, just like our seniors are going to do here in two weeks, what is the experience that they've had? That So then when they leave Mankato schools, they are prepared for whatever is next, college, work, military, um, and anything in between of those things. So that uh, we're excited to do that, but you can only have those levels of conversations when you're committed to action. And the only way that you can commit yourself to action is making sure that you've got your resources stable. Mm-hmm. The last few years, the ground has been shifting so much with COVID, with enrollment. Um, that's, again, not to, uh, uh, to continue to say it, but the legislative support that has just occurred uh, is huge for public schools. So, so will you see a profound di- effect? We do, and yeah, and and the legislature can't do it themselves, and we don't uh, ask them to, and the community can't do it itself. We don't want them to. The the district, our leaders, our school board, they have a big role to play as well, um, making sure that decisions are sound, but they also are sustainable. Um, it's again not great to bring in a program and then nine months later say, well, that didn't work. Yeah, it didn't no. work or. Uh, we haven't even been able to collect some data yet on it, uh, but we got to get rid of it because we're out of money. Oh, That's you, you, we got to be have a little bit more uh, strategic thinking than than that. Well, now you mentioned you're starting the strategic yeah. process. Now I'm sure you go through. Is it every year you go through this, or is it a matter of every few years you go through and do long term planning? Yeah, continuous improvement. I mean, continuous improvement is a part of how we do our work, but there are some benchmark times when we are a little more formal about it. So a couple of years ago, our board adopted a strong strategic roadmap. I mean, they changed the vision and mission, you know, the mission now of the school district, you know, committed to working equitably with families and community. And then, you know, a, a new vision statement and core values that are really centered in equitable experiences, including all kids, committed to excellence, accountability, anti-racism. I mean, all of those core values, those are there. Every couple of years, you have to go back to those and not say, well, should we throw it out? But you have to test it within the system that you're, that you're working in. And so now we need to talk with kids about, okay, here's our roadmap. How are we doing? What experiences are you having that are helping get us to vision and mission? Um, and then what about our parents? What are they seeing at home? What, what has been their experience with, this, with their school, with their teachers, with their principal? So if there are themes that we can pull from all of those, to make minor adjustments, make revisions, um, but we're also we also want to be bold enough to say if there's something drastically uh, that needs to be adjusted and changed, we don't need to wait five years to do that. Let's do it. 
So you mentioned that you were at a middle school this morning yeah. talking to kids. Mm-hmm. So is that the beginning of the process? I mean, do you go into schools? Do you talk to the teachers? What is this going to look like so people can say, well, I want an, yeah. some input? Because, I mean, I hear teachers complain saying, yeah, administration doesn't care about <laughs> us. You know, and know. I'm sure you've heard that too. Yeah. And so how do you do this to make sure everybody feels like they're hurt? Yeah, so I, what's what's important is that there are opportunities for input. And then I would also say that when those opportunities are given, it's important that people step up. Right. Otherwise, if you just sit and complain about it yeah. and you don't hear it, how do you, you know, how yeah. do you know? Yeah. So we we, uh, we tested out, we piloted some focus groups a couple weeks ago um, just to make sure that w- the, the sorts of questions we were that were being asked were relevant to our staff and to our kids and to our um, uh, parents. And that based on those smaller focus groups that... Um, it, we, we felt as if it was going to get us to where we needed to go to make sure that the plan could reflect people's voices. So those went really well. There was, uh, we, we threw out a couple different invites for folks. They came. We, we got some good data. And so this past Monday, our school board launched the, 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 the official kickoff um, where we were able to do kind of a look back as to where the school district's been the last 40 years, what we see on the horizon, like what our current reality is, what we see on the horizon, the school board is re- really, really focused in on making sure that when they are in community talking about our public system, that they are able to see themselves in the work, and they can also articulate the innovation, the inclusiveness that happens with our kids, with our staff. Um, so it will be intentional outreach. I mean, will we be seeing invitations that say, hey, come to this or... Participate in a survey, yep. or what? Will, what will it, you know? We be seeing out here in the public yep. that will know that we have a, a say. That's great. Yeah. So this summer there'll be a couple options um, for uh, community parents and for staff to connect with us virtually and in person. But then there will be eventually this coming fall there will be a survey that everybody will see mm-hmm. that will be a collection as to some of the themes that have already emerged and. The survey will ask people to add to it, affirm, validate, or maybe question um, to make sure that um, if they have a different perspective, they have an opportunity to to get that in there. And that's what I think is really powerful about strategic planning in this way, though, is we're also asking people to share their experience. And as we know in today's world with social media and with, you know, sometimes you can get into these swirls of narratives. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's really important that people have an opportunity to speak their truth, um, and they can do that in a safe way with a school district that is really committed to improvement. Sometimes you'll hear from folks, we'll hear from folks, well, I don't know if I really want to share that because I'm not sure w- what you're going to do with that information mm-hmm. or how that... Um, is that going to be used to, as, as a weapon at some point? Sure. Um, it's important that we have this facilitated by outsiders, and so they can, people who are engaged in those conversations can feel So you're bringing people open. in to do this we process? Are. Yep. Oh, okay. Yep, yep. The, the partners that we've had, t- the, the organization is called Teamworks. We've worked with Teamworks for decades within the school district, long before I got here. Um, highly skilled uh, public education um, experienced folks. Mm-hmm. But it's just important that um, people who are in our system have a chance to talk with folks who are um, um, maybe you know more objective or less uh, less involved in the daily operations. That you can it. see the forest or the trees yeah, or however right. you say that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So so our board and our district leaders are really pumped up, thinking that this is going to help um, 
really project um, a realistic and positive uh, uh, approach to public education in our community. You know, we continue to get survey results from the community about their support and commitment to strong public schools. It's also important when we get those results that we ask the next question about improvement. Mm -hmm. What can we be doing to help um, make sure that that continues um, at us, not only at the community level, but at the school site level, the teacher level, and the kid level. You mentioned referendum. What are we looking at for a referendum and why? Yeah, so I, I think that uh, it's, more than, um, it's more than likely that our board this summer will um, make a decision as to whether or not to hold a referendum in November. And if I was to um, put money on it, I would say that it's it's likely that something will be on the ballot in the uh, the election in November. And the why is we have had ongoing facility needs that were with us well before COVID. Um, we were in planning mode right up to March 2020 when COVID hit. And then we put those plans on pause because we completely understood that our community, our families were in no, they weren't in the headspace, but also there's a lot of financial and economic impact to COVID-19. Right. And so our planning has always continued since 2020, but we've also been very thoughtful about when, um, when we bring that back. And so we've started to talk more openly in the last year about those facility needs are still there. And, you know, chief among those are the safe, welcoming, and secure entrances at many of our Mm -hmm. schools. We have systems that, frankly, are out of date. And in today's world, unfortunately, we need to have um, better processes to make sure that people who are coming to our building feel welcome because we want parents and we want community. We want people in our schools. They are the public's schools. But first and foremost, we have to keep kids and staff safe. And I would imagine that you are among many others that are feeling the same thing, uh, school districts. Yep. So that's really important that we just simply, I think our board is going to be at the position where they believe that we just can't wait on that anymore. We're going to have to go to voters because that that will take significant bond referendum dollars. The other thing that we have been waiting on for several years now is the original Mankato High School pool which is now the West High School pool, has not had any water in it for multiple school years. Right. Um, we have been sharing the East pool, East, West, community ed, every swimmer in between. Um, and for a community, for a school district our size, having a competitive pool in the West attendance area is really important um, because that doesn't just pinch school district uh, folks, like kids learning how to swim in, in a mm-hmm. FIAD class. But there's also community um, activities that we have just simply not been able to schedule sure. because we're out, of, we're out of water. And so that will be an element of, of a bond. We've got preschool and daycare items that we know are really important to making sure that we're supporting our youngest learners. We'll have to wait and see how our financial runs look, uh, whether or not an operational piece needs to be a part of the referendum. But uh, again, it's going to be, it, it, it will be an opportunity for, com- for our community to once again demonstrate their support for strong public schools, again, as an investment for community. Most people who vote in uh, local elections and school elections don't have kids in school. And, right, and, so and, and that's what, you know, I, I know, remember when my parents, when we were growing up as kids, my mom would, she would always be the one that would say, this is important that we do this and this and this, mm-hmm. and, and people say, well, I don't have kids, so I don't <laughs> care. And that's the thing. Eventually, 
I won't have kids in school either, yeah. but you know, it's it's looking toward that future, and that's the one thing she always used to say is is you know, it's not just about you. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think that's that's a unique element of being a public entity. Yeah, you know, we live in community, and questions like that get to. So, what do you want? How, how do you want it to be around here? You know, how how strong do we want these elements? The infrastructure, the public safety, the public transportation, the public school system. You don't access all of those maybe on a daily basis as a citizen, but uh, it sure impacts your quality of life. Um, yes, it impacts your taxes, but it also impacts how you, um, where, where you live, how you live, and, and uh, where, your, how you're looked upon as a community. A lot of people will come to a community because of the schools. Right. So. Yep. Paul, I can see you're very energized by what recently happened at the legislature, and yeah. that's really exciting. Uh, I know we, we had uh, mentioned briefly what the front um, of the Free Press today, talking about the school board chair charged with the DWI. How does that impact? What happens there? Does this, Do you have to do reviews? Or, um, you know, it's an unfortunate thing that you see. So does the school as a district have to do anything? Does the board make decisions, mm-hmm. or what happens? Yeah, it's a good question, and I, and I think that... It often, not oftentimes, it really depends upon what level of the school district something like that would occur. Mm-hmm. So in this particular case, this, this is um, this, the situation that you're referring to um, happened to a school board member. Right. Which makes it a school board matter. Right. Um, and so our school board has, has is the, the locus of control there to talk about um, if there's anything that they need to talk about, they need to work through, they need to, to make comment on. Um, I work closely with our school boards, sure. not school board members, not only as individuals, but I have a unique relationship with the school board chair and the vice chair. And so I've had conversations um, about this with um, with Shannon. Um, but as far as any work or impact in our system, it really is at the board table sure. for them to uh, work through, and and, um, and and I'm confident that they will. Okay, I did. You know, it's it's unfortunately something that that happens, sure. and it happened to be on the front page today. So sure. I just wanted to <laughs> cover that at least. But but I am really excited to hear uh, that the legislature has been very supportive, and that it sounds like uh, you're going to be moving full steam ahead. Uh, what happens during the summer when all the kids are gone? Now? Well, it's, planning uh, never ceases, and so summers will be. I mean, teachers will be back in buildings. Probably they'll probably take a long weekend to get a deep breath, and then we'll have people in doing curriculum writing. Um, there's so many different camps that occur, not only right. in our gyms, but also on the stages. And summer um, school, too. Summer school and enrichment. Um, some really exciting and, and cool innovations with that, especially at our um, at our elementary levels where they're shifting that into more of like a camp experience as opposed to your traditional, oh, I got to go to summer school. I'm mean, really trying to. I like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so, yeah, there'll be a lot. And before you know it, I mean, we'll turn our head and it will be August. And once you hit August, it's, I mean, we're, we're already kind of focused and thinking about the 23-24 school year. Sure. Also being mindful that, you know, there's two weeks to go. We want all of our schools, all of our kids to finish strong. We're so proud of the graduates. I mean, we have four different graduation ceremonies. How many kids are graduating from the school system this year? Yeah, so we, so there's you know nearly 300 kids oh. um, in each of at both east and west. Um, you know, a little little up, a little down, and and what our teachers and what our principals will always remind those seniors is, 
you know, you don't graduate till the end. Right. So, you know, they, they, you got two weeks left, so. Don't um, have that senioritis, right? <laughs> uh-huh. But uh, really proud of all of them, along with our adult basic ed graduates. Central High School always has a special graduation ceremony. Um, students that uh, oftentimes go to Central have faced incredible challenges. Sure. It's so resilient. Um, it's a it's a beautiful ceremony. We can't wait uh, for that one to occur as well. Very good. Well, I want to thank you for coming in, Dr. Paul Peterson, who is the superintendent of Mankato Area Public Schools District's 77. It's always great to have you on, and thanks for the update, and we'll have you back and talk about how things are progressing. Thanks, Karen. All right, bye-bye.